Hi, and welcome to the API Rising podcast. I'm Van Tran. And I'm Kathy Butler. In this podcast, we'll explore career journeys where Asian culture and corporate America intersect. Today, Van and I will share our origin stories and how API Rising came about. Before we get into our origin stories, let me do a real quick introduction for myself and for Kathy. I am Van Tran, and I have over 20 years of marketing and marketing technology success. I've worked for and with brands like StubHub, Westfield, Lego, Oracle, and more. Today, I have my own consulting practice as principal owner of Create Ripples, and I'm so proud to launch API Rising with my co-founder, Kathy Butler. Kathy is an API advocate, She's a speaker, coach, an award-winning marketing and technology expert, and she has more than 25 years of experience leading teams and clients. She's the CEO of Organic, the world's first digital agency. Working with Kathy, I know firsthand that she's incredibly passionate and dedicated to creating and maintaining a diverse workforce, and she's got the stats to prove it. I get to join forces with Kathy and talk about API Rising, how we met, and how Kathy came to be. Let me just caveat by saying when we talk about origin stories for any Asian American immigrants, it's really a generational story. So let's go ahead and dive right in and talk about your origin story, starting with your family. Yeah. My, uh, my parents and my brother and sister emigrated to the U.S. in 1970, and they settled in um, around the Chinatown area of Los Angeles, and um, they took up odd jobs to make it happen, and my mom cleaned offices, and my dad was a prep cook at a Chinese banquet restaurant. They lived, this was before I was born, they lived in an apartment building Um, My grandma lived in the apartment down below, um, and my cousins and aunts and uncles and our extended family lived close by. So it was a very, very tight family unit that um, all came together for meals and weekends and did things together and helped take care of each other, as I think is very common in immigrant families when that's your support network and those are your people um, and you stay close by. Um, and my aunt and uncle were the sponsors of my family's visa to come to the U.S. And they were a very integral part in my parents and, and brother and sister settling in the U.S. And without them, we would never be here, in fact. Um, and it was my dad's older sister and her husband. Um, and I think there's a lot of commonalities in that there is a sponsoring member in the, in the U.S. Um, who has come to the U.S. in some way, shape or form that helps the rest of the family. And that was certainly our story because once my dad was settled here, he helped his younger sister come to the US as well. And they lived with us with their two kids for also a number of years in our small house. So there's a lot of patterns in that way. Um, and that that's essentially how I grew up with the benefit of family around all the time. My parents eventually saved enough money to open a four-table Cantonese noodle restaurant in Chinatown uh, shortly after I was born. And um, my brother and sister also worked there on the weekends, and they were young teens. Um, I would stay with my grandma 
Um, and it, it grew pretty successful that eventually we moved to Monterey Park. My grandma moved to a, a small apartment nearby our first restaurant. Um, and moving to Monterey Park was a very, very big deal for us. Everything was new. Um, there was great opportunity. And most of my growing up years were in Monterey Park in a community surrounded by people who looked like me. Um, but I got the best of both worlds of both being Chinese and also American, going to McDonald's, riding my bike, playing sports, um, and going to a school where it was perfectly okay to adapt and adopt different cultures, different holidays, different celebrations in a way that worked for me. And I loved, loved that part of growing up. Man, I think you have a different family starting story um, and how they came to the U.S. Can you share that with us? I can. Um, it's such a big story. I'll start out with with my grandmother. Um, my my family, we're Vietnamese immigrants. We we're refugees. We emigrated um, in the late 1970s and. Um, it was a time where a lot of Vietnamese people were leaving. A lot of Vietnamese people were in hiding. My grandmother, in fact, was a big part of the community in Vietnam and the town that she was in. She and my grandfather were kind of pillars of the community. They were fairly affluent. I think my grandfather may or may not have been like a mayor at some point there. And during the war, my grandmother ended up on her little bicycle going around town and feeding people who were in hiding. And at some point, I think there was a decision of like, okay, what makes sense for us? Even though they were, I would say, okay in that town and okay for themselves and very important part to the community, they knew that it was temporary and it was only a matter of time before um, before that would all be taken away and they had made a decision to um, leave and escape what was coming um, and try to escape. It took them two years to come up with a plan. My uh, dad ended up finding a way to get onto a fishing boat and they went to sea and they went to sea and made it to Malaysia. I was born there. I wasn't even born in Vietnam and I was not born in the U.S. And we eventually emigrated um, to the U.S. and settled in San Jose to start out similarly like your family. You just take any job that you can take in order to um, support the family and survive. And uh, my parents ended up uh, luckily being able to uh, secure some electronic jobs. My mom worked in a manufacturing company as a test specialist. My dad eventually um, opened his own business. But during that time, early on, the jobs that they had taken still wasn't enough. They ended up having to make the hard decision to say, we're going to go up to Oregon during the summer and try to make a little bit more money and be migrant workers. So they actually worked in strawberry fields, picking strawberries, backbreaking work. And um, that was how they ended up like pooling their money together and 
moving eventually into what would be like where they live now. That's like four bedrooms. It's a big deal for us. Like it's like having your own room was it was it was honestly the most exciting thing for me when I was a child. But it just instilled in me this sense of determination that you are going to succeed and failure was just absolutely not an option. Do it. We're going to do it together. Like your family, my family lived close to each other. They were my community. My grandmother, my aunts, my second cousins all lived in the same apartment complex. And, you know, eventually we did move into other areas and and everyone had their own kind of separate uh, lives, separate homes. But it was an important part for us to be our own support system because we came here, we were the first. We were like your aunt and uncle who were the first here and we anchored in for um, other people to then emigrate after us. I think there's always just such a, a fascinating theme around relentlessness when it comes to immigration stories where you are going to do not only because you have to, but because you want to. And I think a similarity in both our family stories is that they were early business owners. And I always think about this with my parents where um, I wonder well, how did they navigate signing a lease in a language that they didn't know very well? How did they navigate taxes and banks and legal things? And all of the things I know now as also a small business owner of how hard it is and all of this, the decisions that you have to make. I mean, I think that there's some of that when you talk about determination that I'm just going to figure this out. Do you see a lot of that with your parents and, and your family as well? Absolutely. My, it's only now that I think about these things similar to you, which is like, how did they even do this? I took it for granted. They they just magically did it Mm -hmm. and it happens. So Mm -hmm. I just think I can do anything because they've done it, but I didn't think about how hard it would be to navigate that all, but they somehow did it. My, my dad owned a furniture shop. My aunt owned a computer shop. Just the thought of having to secure loans to get started, to figure out all of the Mm -hmm. logistics and legality that's associated with that is pretty incredible. Um, And I have the utmost respect for my family so much so that, you know, growing up, I, 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 didn't want to burden them with anything. And there's that sense of um, duty and responsibility to carry on the kind of efforts and sacrifices that they made in order for that journey of success to continue on in the next generation. So success is a generational story. And it is one, like you said, like determination and, and, and grit. Yeah, for sure. I think there's also an important aspect that I mean, speaks a little to how you and I came together and met each other as well is the community. And, and my parents building their restaurant uh, in Monterey Park was such a big part of that. There were Chinese bank owners, there were Chinese lawyers, there were people to help them navigate the expansion of their business in the language that they were familiar with, with expertise that they didn't have. 
and an overwhelming desire to help each other be successful. And they found that in the community, which um, reflectively now I value more than ever, um, and particularly in work um, and how I found you uh, and how we created things together, I think is a big part of the same spiritual place that that comes in when you see people of the same fabric, if you will, same values, it creates like a different vocabulary in the things that you want to do together. But you left a community early on um, going to school and things like that, that you eventually came back to, which I think is a really fascinating part of your story. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think there are some things associated with growing up Asian American and trying to figure out your identity. That's quite a bit different from my parents and having their whole kind of lives up into adulthood anchored in Vietnam with just a very different situation. I want to say having a tight-knit community meant also the good and bad associated with a tight-knit community. So <laughs> the aunties, the everybody being in everybody's business was something that honestly was really, really hard for me. And it was also really hard for me to have my own identity with that because we work so much as a unit. My grandmother was the anchor for everybody to come to from a community standpoint. Everybody had their roles and all of it was in um, service to not only building out their own paths, but building out a network within our own family. And that was our community. I had a, a bit of a hard time with that. I was very protective of my life, my wants, my dreams, partly because I was afraid to share some of those dreams and I was afraid to be criticized. I was afraid of failure and all sorts of different things. So I actually pulled away and ended up going into spaces in communities where I spent a lot of my time there and less time coming back and it's going to be painful for me to say, because I'm really ashamed of this, is that I, I didn't spend as much time as, as, as my other family members did with each other and build a network in a community that was wholly my own within the career spaces that I was in. And, oh shit. <laughs> what I didn't know is that it would leave a hole. I didn't feel whole as a, as a, person because I left that cultural aspect behind to some extent. And, you know, I took on the whole corporate um, identity. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> but I felt I needed to do that in order to be successful. That was all part of just my own journey of trying to succeed and, and trying different things in order to make it ahead. But at some point, I still realized that I was working so hard, so hard alone and to fit in, even though I had a wonderful set of friends that were super supportive. Um, but I didn't know that I was still misunderstood because I really didn't know my own identity. I really didn't settle into who I am until like now. 
I think it's so relatable. I think it's so relatable for those who are first generation um, because I think we grow up with our identities wrapped up in other people's identities because it's hard not to be. And I think that's true of just growing up. But when you have um, the influence of different values in your life, it's hard to know who you are. Um, and I totally relate to that. I moved to New York when I was 17. I wanted to be a music journalist. And of course, being Chinese, I also got a very practical degree in um, education to be a teacher. But you just think about all the complexity of the values you grew up with um, and the community that you grew up with. And then suddenly you're in a different space with different decisions to be made and different dreams and wanting to come, all of those things to come together in a way that feels true to who you are when you don't really know who you are yet. I think that also speaks to the community aspect anyway, speaks to how we came about and how we met each other in, in not just in a, oh, hey, here's a project we're working on together, but how we really came together and how we've never been able to separate since. You want to talk about that, Dan? Yeah, I'll just do a little bit of a backstory where, you know, all of that work had got me to holding and securing a VP title. I was at the executive table. This was, God, is it like two, two to three years ago? All the years are merging together because of pandemic. But, um, and this was really because of the pandemic when a lot of API were targeted and it became something that came to the forefront and I can see that my community was in pain. Um, at that point, I think I was already part of a DEI, um, a DEI uh, effort in team. And that was really how I met you, Kathy, where we ended up talking about DEI. And even before that, I think there were some accounts that we were working on, but we didn't really talk to each other that deeply. And because the community was in pain, but a lot, not a lot of people realized the need for something more, um, I actually decided to reach out to you. And I said, hey, are you doing anything with all of the kind of attacks? Do you have some sort of forum, some sort of space in which we can welcome and create containers for um, Asian, our Asian colleagues to come and be able to talk to each other? And that was when I reached out to you. And you, of course, um, being always so caring and thoughtful and said, we already have started having untown halls we could just add you and whoever else to the town halls and that opened up a whole host of um, different folks from different agencies this became a cross agency space in container for us to come together what was that like actually kind of just me reaching out to you. I, I'm I'm actually curious. I've never, <laughs> never asked what that was like. I just assumed like, oh, this is so wonderful that she's helping. It was wonderful that you reached out because 
um, the AAPI community in the space that we are working in is not huge. And a little bit of backstory on me, you know, eventually moving out of my dreams of being a music journalist and a teacher, I fell into um, working in advertising agencies where I have navigated different parts of my career and built different um, opportunities to learn and taking advantage of different opportunities to then be lucky enough to be CEO of a company and be one woman of color CEO is an extraordinary responsibility and I'm highly, highly aware of that. And it was only in the last few years that I feel that I had the agency and the self-awareness to do more to, to help in this space. Um, and that there were unique opportunities afforded to me in my role with my title that I should and hadn't taken advantage of and that was having a voice and a platform and a responsibility to represent a really big group of people at a level that hadn't been represented before and a few weeks before you reached out was the unfortunate murder of George Floyd and at the time I was really paralyzed with fear about what to do and questioning in my role, is it my responsibility to facilitate this space? Um, is it um, scary? Yes. But was there anything else I could do? And it actually took me a beat too long to be thinking about this when an, an employee with the very best intention posted on our Slack channel, hey, if we're so supportive of each other through COVID, why aren't we being more supportive of each other now after this horrific event? And she was exactly right. And 100% accurate to call us and me out for that. And I reached out to her and apologized for zero action on my part. And that, to be truthful, I didn't know what to do other than to give a space to the pain that everyone was feeling. And that launched within our own company a series of unscripted sessions called Untown Halls, where as a leader for wanting to carefully navigate situations that could be difficult, this was super scary. Um, I didn't know what people were going to say. I didn't know how people were going to react, but I didn't care because it was needed. And so when you reached out, it felt like a very natural evolution. Well, of course, we should be extending this space to others and creating our own space for API and to nurture this community that is clearly hurting and in need of a voice and in meeting of each other. And I was so grateful that you did that because in my own world and in my own um, difficulty navigating my own feelings about the situation, it gave me a lot of perspective of um, how the community could help me and each other. Absolutely. I've 
said this to um, other friends and colleagues, but that was the first step into honestly really understanding, intentionally taking a deeper understanding into our own community. I just knew that there was a need and I said, okay, as my my grandmother would probably be proud, like somebody's in in need and I'm going to help. But I didn't know that I needed this community as, as much as I did. And that was honestly a cultural reawakening for me. It's not to say that I didn't come back to my family because I did and they're wonderful and lovely. But having that sort of community in a corporate space is something that I hadn't at all thought to do. Um, I didn't do it in college. I didn't do it in like throughout my career. And here it is smacking me in the face saying, okay, let's create the space. And then once you created the space, similar to the journey of an immigrant, you move from survival and, you know, caring for each other into thinking about this as something that's moving into thriving versus surviving. And that's kind of where we ended up taking that. Those initial listening sessions were wonderful. And our colleagues ended up saying, I want more. These are my dreams. These are the things that I want to try to accomplish, but I need help getting there. And that really was our calling. I think we we gelled and we got together because we wanted to help people achieve the things that we were able to achieve and ideally do that faster. <laughs> yes. All of the yeses. Absolutely. It was very clear early on. Well, one, I felt the same way as you. I didn't know that I needed this community as much as I did until I was in the community. I spent a lot of my career um, and since moving to New York, just sort of ignoring um, the communities that existed around me. And I, and I thought in retrospect that joining those communities would actually make me feel other than necessarily with. And that was a real like, interesting perspective um, that I don't think I realized until more recently that that's why I didn't partake or participate in other Asian communities or in college or anything like that. Cause I didn't actually want to make myself stand out in that way. But we realized early on that the lack of API representation and leadership roles is significant. It's a significant, significant challenge that we were absolutely able to navigate and it hasn't been easy, but we have also been very relentless about it uh, in our own careers. And creating this community helped us think about and constantly think about what more we could do to enable our colleagues and our friends and even strangers to um, reach new levels in their career. And this like deep desire to help, I think, has been our fuel in terms of one, just helping navigate the pain, but then helping to achieve has been a constant conversation that we have gone back to again and again, even with our mini content series called Courage to Rise, where we explored 
that intersection of cultural understanding, cultural values, and how it's so complex in corporate America. Um, I just think about so many times where early on in my career, I said nothing in meetings. I was really just so silent. And in retrospect, did I realize it was because I grew up essentially with the values of don't speak up, don't raise your voice, don't share an opinion, just go with the flow how complicated and misunderstood that is in a corporate in a corporate environment where having an opinion and voicing your um, opinion is so important and we talked a lot about that and we also talked about the different industries that are expected um, and supported by our parents and families we also talked about risk and how our families risked and took big risks to come to America, but how it feels so scary to risk in corporate America. And these topics continue to fuel us, which is how we got to today. Yeah, I, I mean, we're taking it beyond the kind of advertising marketing industry. Um, and I just feel compelled to do it because still felt like there were gaps. Yes, there are things that exist out there, but how much digging did I have to do in order to find it? And um, I have this deep-seated need to work with you, Kathy. <laughs> Same. If there's an easier way and we can pave an easier way for other folks, why don't we? And do it in a way that feels actionable and authentic i'm partnering with you <laughs> to create the thing that i was looking for and just couldn't find out in the market so here we are we have to create it ourselves and make it available to other people that's exactly right and there is an opportunity for generational change to improve api leadership in corporate america and I am afforded certainly an opportunity with a, a, a view of where investments are made in support of diversity in corporations. And most businesses are approaching diversity at the entry level. Let's hire more um, and that will help in the long run. Part of that is true, I believe. Let's not stop hiring an entry level diverse candidates uh, into our workplaces because that's needed and that's important. But where I see a bigger challenge and a business opportunity is at the mid-level. If you are five to seven years in your career, you have done the entry level, you're good at some skills, you are still challenged by the cultures that you have grown up with and the value system that you have learned young in life. And the, the uh, challenges are in how you're recognized in your workplace. And it's very, very likely that your workplace is not going to invest in you from a career leadership, from a management training perspective. That's just not where most companies invest, unfortunately. And so you enter in a time and a space in your career where you are super ambitious, thinking about bringing all those relentless values that you've learned growing up and you don't know what to do in your career and how do you move into the next role how do you succeed longer term how do you achieve the ambitions that you want 
And you and I have talked so much about navigating this time and what is needed and what I think is needed and what we believe is ownership of your career. Because the challenge is twofold. One, it's at the individual level, being able to identify what you want and what do you need to succeed. And also two, systemic in corporate workplaces and understanding cultural values and recognizing the need for change. And in some ways, in many ways rather, number two is much harder to resolve long-term. And so if we thought about this and having impact at the individual level, so we're creating this next generation of leaders, it seems very, very possible that we can help create career roadmaps for API in order to have more forthright conversations in a workplace, to look for opportunities that are right for you, to say no to opportunities that aren't, and to find people in your life who will help support you and help open doors for you, and to be able to take control of your career in ways that I don't think we've ever done before. And so I'm incredibly excited to be able to work uh, with individuals on this. It really helped unlock my career when early on I made a grand ambition to run a company one day. And that helped me make decisions along the way. And I think feeling in control of your career is a big step in defining and getting what you need out of it. Absolutely. So I'm super excited about all the things that we're going to be talking about in the future. Thank you so much for tuning in to API Rising and tune in next time for more discussions on the intersection of API culture and corporate America.